We're so glad that you're here today. Welcome to worship. It is a joy to see all of you here. If you are a first time with us, if you would consider yourself a guest, first timer, whatever verb or adjective you want to use for that, a noun, we are especially glad that you are here today. Would you do us a favor and take your order of worship and find the connection card? It is a perforated section on one of those panels. Fill that out. It's a great way to let us know how we can pray for you. It's a great way to make sure that your address and contact information is up to date. And it's a great way for us to be able to get to know you better. And that is our desire today. And if, when we are done with our service today, would you join Pastor Stewart and his wife Rebecca at the conclusion of our service out in the foyer so that we might give you a free gift, a copy of his book, The Privilege of Worship. You'll enjoy reading that. And it'll be just a great time that we will get to know you to, to, uh, together today. Would you join me as we begin together by praying? Heavenly Father, we are delighted to be in your presence and in your house today. We recognize that you are both the lion and the lamb. You are strong and mighty and compassionate, and we're thankful for that today. Father, would you remind us that it is important that we persevere, that we wait on you, and we have great expectations for you today in our hearts. So give us ears to hear and a receptive heart today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, the lion and the lamb, and sing to the Lord together today.
seated. It is good and it is right and it is necessary that the church of God, the people of God, be immersed in the word of God. We praise him for that today. So would you join me as we read together out loud Psalm 100. It says this, shout, shout for joy, joy to the Lord, Lord all the earth. earth. 
Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. God and God alone created all these things we call our own. From the mighty to the small, the glory in them all is God and God's alone. God and God alone reveals the truth in all we call unknown. And all the best and worst of man can change the master's plan. It's God's and God's alone. God and God alone is fit to take the universe's throne. Let everything that lives reserve its truest praise.
Please join me as we pray. Our Father, we are awed by your presence and your power. We sense your guidance in our lives in the service. We cannot come up with enough names to describe you, but we know one thing, that you are above all. You are our God and our Creator. We bring ourselves to you humbly to ask that you bless and guide us that you accept our offerings as an expression of our love for you, and that as your word is preached, it not only will you be preached with power, but also with conviction that your will might be done. We ask in the holy name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Sing a new song. 
God, we adore you today. We worship you in this place. And now speak to our hearts, Lord, through the truth of your word. We wait expectantly to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Some people have said that prayer won the Revolutionary War. On September 7, 1774, delegates from the American colonies met in Philadelphia for the First Continental Congress. They were concerned about British oppression and that British troops had occupied the city of Boston and closed its ports with their warships. Armed conflict seemed inevitable. The days were desperate. A day into the meeting of that first congressional uh, meeting, Continental Congress, someone suggested having a chaplain come and pray over the proceedings, and there was a little brief debate about it until Samuel Adams proposed Reverend Dr. Jacob Duche, an Anglican minister of Christ Church located just two blocks away, to come and pray. It was agreed that that take place, and the following day, Dr. Duche came, and John Adams records what happened in that meeting in a letter to his wife, Abigail. John Adams says that Reverend Duche came, read some prayers, as was in the Anglican custom, read the psalm of the day, which happened to be Psalm 35, a very fitting psalm for what was happening in those years. And John Adams then writes, I never saw a greater effect upon an audience. It seemed as if heaven had ordained that psalm to be read on that morning. After this, Mr. Duche, unexpectedly to everybody, struck out in an extemporary prayer which filled the bosom of every man present. I must confess, I never heard a better prayer or one so well pronounced. It had an excellent effect upon everybody here. Those men knew they needed God. Humbled and expectant, some knelt while others stood with head bowed, all joining their hearts in prayer to God on behalf of the American colonies. And prayer continued to play a vital part of the Continental Congresses and in the colonies. General Washington made prayer a vital part of the colonial army. And God must have heard their cries because after eight long years of war, they won the independence that we still enjoy today and celebrated this last week. Did prayer win the Revolutionary War? Only God really knows. One thing is for certain, though. That initial prayer was a holy shower of blessing on those founding fathers. Seasons of prayer are like that. When the Spirit of God moves in upon His people, His power falls and great things take place. And this morning we encounter the story of a powerful prayer in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 41 to 46. And if you haven't turned there already, please do so in your copy of God's Word. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 41 through 46, as we continue this series, Elijah, prophet of power and humility. The event that we encounter today happened immediately after the great showdown on Mount Carmel. That showdown that had happened between Elijah and the 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah. And the fire of God had fallen and consumed the offering and the altar. And the people of Israel had fallen on their faces before God in repentance. And then the service ended. And the show was over. And everyone went home. But rain had yet to fall. The spiritual drought had ended. But would the physical drought end as well? Baal was done, but would rain come? When you're in the 36th month of a drought, fire is still hot and dry no matter its source. What you really need, what you really want is wet and cooling rain. And that's what God had said was going to happen. The people went home, but Ahab and Elijah remained. And I imagine Ahab uh, pacing, wondering what in the world he was going to tell his wife Jezebel when he got home that night. Something tells me Ahab was going to be sleeping in the doghouse that night. Elijah, having just experienced the power of God, boldly issues a command to the floundering king in verse 41. Elijah said to Ahab, go, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink. 
Did Elijah actually hear rain? No, not physically. It was impossible physically for him to do that. From his vantage point there on the mountain, he could look far out over the Mediterranean Sea to the west from where the rains came. And out there, as far as he could see, the sky was still bright blue and clear over the aqua waters of the Mediterranean There were no thunderheads forming. There was no rumbling thunder in the distance. So what did Elijah hear? No doubt he heard the promise of God's word in his heart. He heard that rumble sound of the promise of rain. When you know God's promises, they thunder within you even when there is silence. Hundreds of years before, Joshua had told the people of Israel in Joshua 23, 14, you know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises of the Lord your God gave you has failed. And like Joshua knew the promises of God, Elijah knew the promises of God by heart. They thundered within him. It was going to rain. There was just one more thing that he needed to do. And we see it in verse 42. Ahab Ahab goes off a little ways to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Before he did anything else, Elijah needed to meet with God. And so Elijah climbs to the highest point of the mountain. He kneels and bows before the Lord his prayer because Elijah needed to hear from God. You know, people will do anything to hear from the heavens. On July 3rd, 2016, China completed the world's largest radio telescope. And its purpose, among other things, is to scan the heavens for signs of intelligent alien life. Now, we can look at that and maybe chuckle, but we have our own thing in the U.S. It's called the VLA, the vast, um, the very large array, very creative name, in New Mexico. 27 radio antennas in a Y shape out in New Mexico, scanning the heavens to see if E.T. is phoning home. (laughs) While we spend billions of dollars creating instruments to listen to space, and the most powerful heavenly listening device is available to us for free, and that is prayer. Let's look closely at this prayer of Elijah and glean some principles of prayer from it, some things that we want to focus on today. And the first is that your place of prayer allows you to focus. Notice Elijah separated himself. He climbed up to the top of Mount Carmel. He didn't need to be where somebody could run up and ask him another question. He needed to get along with God in a place that would allow him to focus. We live in a world that is filled with noise. In fact, the most endangered sound on earth is silence. The Ho River Valley in Washington's Olympic National Park might be one of its last refuges, accessible only after a three-mile hike away from roads and into moss-coated hardwoods and and fern-covered forest floors. There's a small pebble atop a fallen log signifying one of the quietest places in the United States. And get this, it is only one inch square. That spot is one of only 12 perfectly silent places in the United States. In such a a noisy world, we need to find some silence where we can pray. And in the Bible, we find that the place of prayer was important. Abraham frequently returned to Bethel, the place where he first built an altar and called upon the name of the Lord. Bethel means house of God. And though Abraham walked with God every day, there was times when he needed to go back to the house of God for a time of refreshing. In a distant pagan land, uh, the prophet Daniel went to his room and prayed. Jesus himself often drew away to a private place to pray. And he taught us to not be like the hypocrites, grandstanding our prayers in public places, but instead to go into our room, close the door, and pray. One reason many of us do not pray is that we don't have a place to pray. You can't pray in the middle of the living room with the television on and the kids running around. You need a place where you can 
separate yourself and meet with God, just you and him. It doesn't have to be a special room, but it does need to be a special place. It could be just a chair in your living room that you go to in the early morning or late at night when the others are asleep. It can be a spot by your bed. It can be a place outside. It just needs to be regular and private where you meet with God without interruption because God often speaks the loudest when we are the quietest. And your place of prayer allows you to focus. Second, your posture of prayer prepares you to meet with God. Did you notice what Elijah did? He gets down on his knees, he puts his face between his knees, and he prays. Elijah expected to meet with God, so he prepared to meet with God. Kneeling, bowing low. Now, there's nothing magical about a posture of prayer, but there is something biblical about it. In Scripture, men and women of God assumed various prayer postures. The Old Testament saints often stood to pray and they would lift up their hands lifted up toward God as they beseeched him in prayer. And that was the case of Hannah as she lifted up to the Lord her request for a child. And that was the the position and posture of King Solomon as he prayed his blessing of dedication over the temple. At other times though, the people of God knelt to pray. When Daniel found out that anyone who prayed to any other god other than King Darius would be thrown into the lion's den, Daniel went to his room and he knelt and prayed. In the New Testament, Jesus knelt in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Stephen, one of the first deacons and the first Christian martyr, knelt to pray as he sought the face of God. There are times, however, in Scripture when even kneeling was not low enough. Because at other places we find where people fall prostrate before the Lord. That was the case of Moses and Aaron as they fell in the presence of the Lord in number 16. As did Joshua before the commander of the Lord's army in Joshua 5. The angels and elders who prayed before God's throne in heaven singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty also fall prostrate before the Lord in prayer. Elijah here finds a posture to match his prayer. He kneels in humility. He bows in respect because your posture prepares you to meet with God. Now, does your posture impress God? No. God doesn't say, oh, wow, she's kneeling. This must be serious. No. But while our posture doesn't impress God, it does help us to humble ourselves. Humility honors God And God honors humility. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Before we can be blessed, we need to be broken. Unfortunately, we've forgotten what it means to be broken in our day. We act as if everything is fine. We wear the mask to church, the very place where we should be most open and broken. We know it's not fine, but we can't let anybody know it. But if you're not willing to be broken, you will never be lifted. If you want to reach up, you have to get down. And Elijah did. And your posture of prayer prepares you to meet with God. But also your procedure of prayer helps you to connect with God. Notice how this prayer continues. Go and look toward the sea, Elijah told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said. Go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. Now, we're not given the exact words of Elijah's prayer, only the procedure. And that's the title of today's message, Expect, Wait, and Persevere. First procedure, expect. As Elijah prays for the rain to come, he tells his servant to go look for a cloud. Notice the specific nature of this expectation. With expectation comes specification. Many of us do not experience joy or success in our prayer life because we're not specific. If you aren't specific, how can you be expectant? Even more so, if you're not specific, how can you know to thank God when he answers? For instance, we pray, Lord, give me a good day. Okay, how do you define a good day? Nice weather, the kids actually behave, good prophets, 
Be specific. How can you give thanks at the end of the day if you haven't been specific at the beginning of the day? We have lost our specificity, I think, because we have lost our expectancy. Our faith is weak. And maybe it just happened to us that way. Maybe, maybe you asked for something specific and with expectancy, but God said no. And even though God's no is better than your yes, the answer wasn't what you wanted. It wasn't what you thought you needed. And so your faith got burned and maybe you got mad. Or maybe it wasn't anything like that. Maybe, maybe you've just gotten routine and mundane in your walk with God and your prayers are ho-hum, humdrum, Lord, Help our family, help the sick people, bless us today, amen. Check, done, move on with the rest of your day. Do you really expect God to bring fire down from heaven with a ho-hum, humdrum prayer? Do you really expect him to bring showers of blessing with a ho-hum, humdrum prayer? Generic prayers come out of generic faith. It is generic to pray, Lord, help me get a job. You can answer that prayer yourself by going to McDonald's this afternoon, filling out an application, and getting hired. It requires zero faith. But to pray specific and expectancy, Lord, help me to get a job as a teacher of the fourth grade, using the skills and gifts that God has given me to pour into kids that I am prepared to teach. That is praying with specificity and expectancy. It's generic to pray, Lord, help us pay our bills. It is specific and expectant to pray, Lord, you know we're tithing. You know, God, we are trying to be good stewards. But, God, you also know we cannot afford this $337 repair bill. Lord, we need you to provide $337. It is generic to pray, bless our kids. It is specific and expectant to pray, Lord, as Christy is at camp this week, help her to come back with the desire to study your word daily. With expectancy comes specificity. You can't get Neiman Marcus answers from Dollar General prayers. <laughs> Define what you're looking for. Be expectant. Next, be willing to wait. The servant comes back. I don't see a thing. Look again. Still nothing. Go back. Uh, yep. Blue sky, blue sea. How about now? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. What about now? Mm, nope. Try again. I'm singing in the sun. Look again. Um... Yeah, is it time for supper yet? <laughs> Look again. I see a cloud as small as a man's hand. It's small, but it's there. Seven times Elijah said, go back. Seven times he waited. Sometimes God answers instantly with fire. But other times he says, wait. I don't know why that is. Uh, maybe we aren't quite ready for the answer. Maybe other circumstances aren't quite right just yet. So God says, wait. But the length of our willingness to wait is a measure of the strength of our faith. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. The longer we're willing to wait, the greater the measure of our faith. Our faith can either grow stronger or weaker in the waiting. The choice is ours. So while we wait, we need to then persevere. Elijah kept praying through. Even though his servants saw nothing, Elijah didn't give up. He kept on praying. Sometimes our prayers aren't answered because we stop too soon. What if Elijah had stopped at three? What if Elijah had stopped at six and just said, Oh, well, let's go grab a burger. But Elijah persevered in prayer. At times, you will feel like God has moved your request to the whenever I have a free moment, which is never file. But in those times, don't give up. Know that God cares. He will answer. Think of praying as your follow-through. 
Follow-through is vital in sports. Whenever a ball is passed or hit or shot, the follow-through helps to ensure that the ball goes to where it was intended to go. You don't chunk it and run. You don't whack it and go. You follow through. The same must be true in prayer. While there are times for a quick, Lord, help me, most of our prayers require follow-through because most of our prayers require perseverance. Until God answers, keep praying. The answer will come. It'll be yes, no, or wait. And if you haven't gotten one of those answers, keep on persevering. Eventually, the answer will come as it did for Elijah. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain came. That little cloud became a big cloud. Then a bigger cloud and a bigger cloud. And finally, a great storm began moving in from the sea. For three years, there had not been such a storm. The sky turned black. The wind picked up. Lightning flashed. Thunder crashed. And then for the first time in more than a thousand days... Drops of rain splashed down upon the parched earth. The earth was so dry that the first rains couldn't uh, penetrate, so the water ran down hills and into ravines. Bone dry wadis filled to capacity, and flash floods happened and roared through the valleys. People didn't run for cover, though. You know they didn't. You know everybody ran outside, put their hands in the air, and danced around, their faces just letting themselves be soaked as the rain fell for the first time. Little kids who had never seen rain went outside and danced around in muddy puddles trying to catch some rain in their mouths. Everyone rejoiced, and over the whole nation of Israel, the sweet smell of falling rain settled in. And seeing that pouring rain, Ahab knew he had to get home. And so it says Ahab rode off to Jezreel. And the power of the Lord came upon Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Ahab hurries off on his chariot to get across the valley of Eshkelon before it turned into a mud pit. But meanwhile, Elijah takes off, Elijah takes off running in the same direction. The distance was like 17 miles, and Elijah, filled with the steroids of the Holy Spirit, outruns Ahab's Arabian horses. Don't you know... That Elijah was smiling all the way, hurtling over streams of water as he ran that near marathon. It's a joyous scene after a joyous victory, and it all happened because Elijah was obedient in prayer. Now, you might say, I can't pray like Elijah. Really? Look at James 5, 16 through 18. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. You caught verse 17, right? Elijah was a man just like us. You know what the Greek means in verse 17? Elijah was a man just like us. There's nothing hidden there. He had the same nature and if he could pray with expectancy and patience and perseverance, you and I can too. So the question is, what is your greatest prayer? What is the one thing that if it happened, you know it could only be God? Expect, wait, persevere. Because eventually the answer will come. We need to be reminded of those times when God really came through like he did for Elijah when we're in those times of waiting. In December of 2005, Rebecca and I were heartbroken by a miscarriage of our first pregnancy right after Christmas. And our disappointment only grew as months passed without us getting pregnant again. Almost a year later, in the fall of 2006, the movie Facing the Giants came out. And Rebecca and I went to see it on a date night and we didn't really know what all it was about. We thought it was kind of more of a football movie than anything else. But part of the storyline of Facing the Giants deals with the issue of struggling to have a child. So the movie was especially raw for us. 
But there was an overarching line that became pretty popular in that movie, and that is, God will send rain when, his, when he's ready. You need to prepare your field to receive it. After the movie, Rebecca and I were at Old Navy, and while there, I saw this little teddy bear. And I picked it up, and I said, we're preparing our fields. We're praying for rain. Now, honestly, I thought it would happen immediately, like within the next week. <laughs> I thought my act of faith in buying the bear meant we'd be expecting in days. But that was not the case. Month after month passed. But every time we saw this little teddy bear, we remembered our field was prepared and we prayed for rain. Finally, after two years of praying, we received the answer. And God gave us the name for that child, Zachary, because that name means God remembered. God always remembers. We believed that God definitely was going to give us a child, and so we persevered in that. It was going to be our own flesh and blood. So we persevered in that. God always remembers. The answer will always come. Sometimes it comes as we expect it. Sometimes it comes as only God could bring it, but it will come. So what is your greatest prayer? Prepare your fields. Pray for rain. Expect and wait. Persevere. Assume the posture. Get in that place and go before Almighty God. Let's pray together. Lord, I am so grateful for the power of prayer. And Lord, if we had time to share testimonies, we would all share of great stories where you answered in big ways and, and we'd be grateful, but there would be others who would share about disappointments or long waits, waits that are still occurring. And so, Lord, for those of us who are still waiting for the answer, I pray, Lord, that you would give us the strength to continue persevering. Lord, we look forward to you showing up in a big way as you did for Elijah. Help us to have the faith. Increase our faith every day as we wait and we look with expectant hope about what you will do. Lord, in this room, we want to give a moment to lift up that greatest prayer to you. It may be a great hurt. It may be a need of reconciliation or forgiveness or release. It may be a need for provision. It may be a need for a job or something that's needing to be uh, released and gotten rid of. It may be a stronghold that needs to be broken, an addiction that needs to be conquered, a marriage that needs to be healed, a child that needs to come back to you. Lord, I don't know what all the kind of needs are in this room, but I've probably just touched on a tiny corner of them. So, Lord, we lift up that prayer to you. And we ask God for you to move and for you to answer. Not for our glory, but for yours. Elijah wasn't the hero of that day. You were. Lord, be the hero in our lives. Rain down upon us is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.